Well, it's fall, and what a great time to sleep. And I get that sleep every night with my Sleep Number bed. The Sleep Number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort and support on each side. It's the perfect bed for couples. And their newest beds are so smart, they actually sense your every move and automatically adjust so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. They even have an adjustment for snoring. Does your bed do that? My Sleep Number setting is 90. My Sleep IQ score last night was 82. Now, Sleep Number beds cost about the same as a traditional mattress. They last twice as long, and 91% of the owners recommend the bed. Best of all, right now, Queen Mattresses start at only $699.99. That's it. You'll only find Sleep Number at any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one near you by calling 1-800-390-9100. That's 1-800-390-9100. And be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Tell me a little bit about Quakeland. Sure. So, so this is a road trip around America, uh, looking at seismic hazards, looking at some of the, the wild and crazy and super smart uh, scientists who are trying to figure out how our Earth works, um, and looking at seismic risk and what we've done to prepare for it, what we still need to do, uh, looking at some of the ways, some of the really wild ways, I think, that we've set off earthquakes around the country, around the world, really, and the way in which humans are really changing the face of seismic hazard around the world. Let's talk science for just a second. Why do earthquakes form? What happens? So there are a variety of different reasons why earthquakes happen. I sort of liken it to a, uh, you know, sort of if you fill up a water balloon too fast um, and it eventually explodes. I mean, what you have is you have that, in our case, that that the water in that balloon is building pressure um, at a weakness in the earth. It can be because um, two plates are moving against each other, either side by side or one moving under another. Um, It can be because that weakness is there um, and the pressure is changing around it for, for a different reason. So what's happening is, is that pressure becomes too much and it forces a weak area in, in the planet, a fault, if you will, yeah. um, to give, basically, and it sort of lurches as a result of that, that pressure and that, that lurch sends out um, waves, seismic waves. And if you think of, for instance, throwing a log or, or a branch or something into water, and you kind of imagine those rings that would throw out as a result, um, that's the sort of physical effect in terms of physics that's happening and why it is that we feel the damage and the shaking after it occurs. Catherine, we just saw the tragedy in Mexico City with that earthquake. Uh, it's just uh, amazing what happens when Mother Nature decides to rumble. Uh, and uh, I know some people who, of course, still remember the Northridge quake in uh, California uh, several years ago as well. These are big, and I'm not sure, even though they say a lot of our buildings that they have now are earthquake-proof, I'm not sure they are. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, building codes is a really sort of complicated issue. It's an issue as a country we need to be looking a lot more at. You know, uh, pound for pound, there is no more powerful natural disaster than, than an earthquake, you know. And, and in seconds, an earthquake can do, uh, you know, frankly, a lot more significant damage than, you know, even the worst of the hurricanes. One of the things that really surprised me researching this book is just how little even the best scientists know about how they start, why they start, where they start. Um, so, so that's part of what makes them so deadly, too, is that at this point, we're not able to predict them. 
Um, we're not able to forecast them. Our country doesn't have an early warning system, unlike other countries like Mexico and Japan. So we can't even give folks that 30-second, 45-second warning that some other countries will, can. Will that make a difference, then, Catherine, that, that 30 or 40 seconds? Absolutely, absolutely. And we saw that in Mexico, you know, um, and I doubted this a lot. But I, I, you know, spent some time out at the University of California, Berkeley, which is sort of the uh, the real locus for where a lot of this research is happening. And they have a beta early warning program out there. Um, Congress hasn't yet funded it as a national program, um, but the technology is available and they're using it there. And, you know, I doubted that, too. I thought, well, what can you really do in 30 seconds? But, you know, we practiced. And in 30 seconds, you can grab your kid out of bed, you can grab your go bag, you can get under a table at the household level. At the community level, you can stop a train, you can divert a plane that's about to land, you can shut down a tunnel. Um, and, and really, those sorts of things can actually be the difference between life and death for, for hundreds, if not thousands of people. Okay, so you got involved in this in a big way, and you traveled everywhere checking, and we'll talk about that. You've been all over the place. What was it that really piqued your interest? What surprised me more than anything was this notion of induced seismicity, this way in which we set off earthquakes. And some of your listeners are probably familiar with what's happening in Oklahoma, um, the huge state of earthquakes that they're seeing there as a result of wastewater injection relating to fracking and oil extraction. And that's certainly, I think, the most newsworthy way in terms of what the media has been covering lately. But as it turns out, we set earth off earthquakes for all kinds of different ways. For, you know, when we built the Hoover Dam in the decade that followed, um, the filling of the reservoir behind the dam set off something like 10,000 earthquakes. We set them off through mining, building tunnels, um, building even high-rise buildings can set off earthquakes. Um, the U.S. military set off quite a few earthquakes in the 1960s, trying to inject um, waste from our chemical weapons program in Colorado. And so just understanding that, that through technology, through our activities, we have the ability to really change the face of seismic hazard. And, and I think recognizing that and recognizing the added um, risk that that poses um, and the fact that, that not only, you know, can we change the weather or change the climate, we can also change the very planet and, and understanding the responsibility that that comes with. You've interviewed a lot of people, engineers, construction experts, scientists. What kind of things did you talk with them about when you put the book Quakeland together? And any stories uh, pop up on your mind? And they are just absolutely heroic, these scientists who are doing this research. It's, it's incredibly frustrating research. Um, you know, some of them have never even experienced an earthquake. <laughs> you know, they, they want to, but it's a kind of... I've, I have felt, uh, just by being in the Midwest and living in L.A. sometimes, too, uh, some rumbles, little ones, but, you know, threes, 3.4, something like that. But I've never felt the big one. But tell us about these scientists and engineers. Yeah, you know, and they're doing really great, really difficult work. When you think about it, you know, an, an earthquake occurs, say, five miles underground, or some cases, 30 miles underground. Um, and so it's not like you can get down there and actually see what's happening. You know, in a way, this is sort of like um, being an astrophysicist who's trying to talk about dark matter, things that are so far beyond the spectrum of our sensory perceptions that, um, you know, it's really difficult. But they're doing really great work. Um, they were incredibly selfless in terms of allowing me in their labs. 
um, allowing me to, you know, crawl around the turbines of the Hoover Dam or in the subways in New York. And, and so it was a really great experience for me as sort of classic participatory journalism to get to spend days with, with these folks and, and to kind of see, see what they do, see what they're doing to try to save us and, and frankly start to see a little bit of a window into how our planet works. Are they concerned at all about a big one happening? Absolutely. And, and one of the things oh, I really wanted to stress in this book is I think we all have a tendency to sort of feel like an earthquake is a California problem. Um, and right. it is a California problem. And, and you know, the, the greatest thing approaching certainty that we have is that there will be, you know, a significant earthquake in Southern California probably in our lifetimes. And scientists are in pretty much close, you know, not total agreement um, that the chance of that is, you know, 95, 99%, right? So, you know, those are odds you never see in science. But, but, but that's not the only place where, where an earthquake is possible. And as I joke in the book, unless you live in Miami, you really are at a potential risk for an earthquake. And, and this includes major metropolitan centers like New York City, which is about 40 years overdue for an earthquake, uh, the Pacific Northwest, Memphis and St. Louis, uh, Washington, D.C., you know, places that we don't necessarily equate with uh, earthquake possibilities, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, don't really have the building codes um, in place, let alone the sort of emergency management plans to manage that if it, if it is going to occur. How important, in your opinion, gravitational pulls from full moons and new moons and things like that? You know, that's really interesting, and that's something that scientists have certainly been looking into. Um, they're a little bit divided in terms of just how powerful that is in terms of the ability to set off earthquakes. Um, there is some evidence that that does occur. Um, but the problem is, is that because we don't know where that next quake is going to happen, it's really hard to get things like the monitoring stations and things in place there. Um, and so right now there's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of hypotheses about what exactly causes them. Um, one thing we do know is that water is intrinsically related to a lot of these quakes. You'll see an earthquake happen in, say, Idaho, and the water table levels, the well levels, will be affected in places like Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Hmm. Um, we know that water extraction, um, you know, or water injection can really change that as well. And so fracking that in mind. Fracking can do this too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's something that we've seen, especially in places like Alberta. Um, we've seen uh, and off the coast of California in the 1930s, 1940s, we saw oil extraction out there causing earthquakes there as well, too. So, you know, anytime we're changing the pressure inside the earth, uh, whether, you know, we're increasing it or decreasing it through our activities, we have the potential to have that pressure, you know, reach a weak place, a fault in the earth and set off a quake. And Catherine, uh, even though you said Florida is uh, somewhat immune from an earthquake, they, of course, get hit by hurricanes. You can't get away from Mother Nature, can you? You cannot. You know, and even though, you know, a hurricane and an earthquake, even though the actual event looks very different, what we've seen, if you look at, for instance, Puerto Rico right now and Mexico oh right now, God, or even that's Houston, right. frankly, we see that the effects are very, very similar. Absolutely. Devastation all the way. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.